0: Welcome to the Razam Worship Songwriting Podcast, Episode Thirty Three. This is an interview special with Sam Hargreaves. Hello, Joel. Sam, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's nice to meet you. I've uh, I've heard a lot about you. Have but, you? Uh, Have yeah, I, I hear you're an
0: avid listener. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um just in case you're tuning in for the very first time and you're wondering why we're being so frivolous and um childish it's because sam is actually the co-presenter of this podcast but he's been having such fun and exciting time and he's such an all-around interesting guy we thought it was time to do a bit of an interview with him and uh not only delve deep into his past but also catch up on what's been going on very recently how does that sound sam that sounds great yeah what does it Probe feel away. like being on the on the other side of the interview are you nervous
1: I'm very nervous. Yeah, I I have no idea what you're going to ask me. So, oh, true. who knows what's going to happen?
0: Well, I think a toddler might be about to burst through my door. Let's, <laughs> no, I think, uh, well, we'll wait and see. If he does, he'll come in with a really tough probing question. Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's start. Um, I, let's go back to the beginning because I was thinking about this and some of the questions you were asked. And obviously, we've known each other for years. Um, we know each other very well. Uh, but I don't know all the answers to these questions. And I'm really interested to know. Just firstly, as a songwriter, where your journey begins? Have you been... Did you come out of the womb with a quill and a, and a <laughs> plectrum? Or what... Um, where does it start for you? Um,
1: well, I was became a Christian when I was about 11, and I was in a Baptist church. Um, interestingly, my, my parents kind of... My mum started taking me to the church, and then she kind of, after a while, started going to another church. So that was... I kind of felt very much that... Um, that that church, you know, was really influential with, with me, and it was it was quite a personal decision to go to church, and and I saw that guys were playing guitar and thought that looks cool, and so started playing the guitar, and then went to Spring Harvest and got kind of excited about, you know, how cool and groovy people were <laughs> who seemed to lead worship. Um, but I think initially, in terms of songwriting, I was writing more like performance songs, uh, and not really worship songs. Um, so I would kind of lead other, you know, Matt Redman and Delirious Songs and things like that. That yeah. were my, those were my sort of go-tos for worship. But it was only, I went to London School of Theology and did the uh, the music and worship course there. And my project uh, at the end of my third year, I, it was called um, Jesus is My Girlfriend? Oh yes, question this is mark. sort
0: of a, like an, it's, it's quite well known. People don't necessarily know it was you, but it's, it gets talked about, your, your it's dissertation. It's become a,
1: a semi-mythical thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was critiquing that sort of, there was a phase where worship songs were quite lovey dovey and Jesus and God were talked about and you know, come close and wrap your arms around me and it's just me and you. And, and that was sort of romantic. yeah, Yeah. Romantic. And, and I kind of critiqued that and said, yes, I think we should be intimate with God, but maybe we shouldn't use the kind of Hollywood Valentine's day language about it. Um, and came out of, college and got a job as a worship pastor in a church in south london and thought actually maybe i need to do something about this rather than just critique it which is what theologians are very good at doing um so i started writing songs and one of my first songs was was called jesus leaders to the father which yeah. is still do you on know the Resound- that is
0: actually the most popular song on our website is that right yeah, yeah it's true
1: that's mad isn't it it's I, three hate, lines. I hate you for it no i don't <laughs> I <love it. laughs> but um because that song was, a, was an attempt oh, to no, say... Oh, no, sorry, actually...
0: second most popular.
1: Oh, don't say that now. No, but it's right, because the most popular is yours as well.
0: <laughs> Keep going.
1: Um, but uh, I, I spotted the other day, Joel, that one of your songs has 72,000 YouTube hits. Oh,
0: yeah. I'm a wealthy that... man. <laughs> I'm
1: not. Um, I'm sure there are cat videos that have a lot more hits than that. I think um, not,
0: yeah. So Jesus leads to the
1: Father. Yeah, so it was an attempt to really say, well, let's let's set this, you know, drawing near to God in a slightly more biblical framework of invited into this relationship that the Trinity has, you know, Father, draw us near through Jesus by the Spirit. Um and yeah, and and in that context of of being a worship pastor and realizing, oh, we don't have good gathering songs, or we don't have songs that express what we're doing in church at the moment, so I just started really writing into that.
0: And that, so was that like your first song, or in terms of worship songs? Had you written anything while you were at college? or...?
1: No, not really. As oh. I say, all performance songs. We yeah. did a, we did, we did a band called Starsky of uh, at college, <laughs> <laughs> and we did like pubs. And and I, I, I before that, I think my focus had really been on music for kind of evangelism and expression and all of that. And it was, it was when. Um, I became a worship pastor that I realised actually, you know, maybe I should be putting my skills into writing worship songs as well.
0: So that's actually it's quite a common story, that isn't it? Actually, people who who started writing worship songs because they're in a situation thought I need I need to write something for this. I'm, I, yeah, you know, I'm, it's part of my pastoring. just yeah. to write those songs, um, and then actually sort a few years later you you basically pulled resound together in its first in, in sort of its early days and you'll just tell us a bit about that what was going on what what led you to draw such a motley crew together
1: <laughs> yeah um well I knew David peacock uh because he led the the LST music course and he was also involved with jubilate uh, which is the the organization that's kind of birthed resound really and they'd been doing hymn revisions and new hymns and you know sort of songs but in a slightly more traditional style for years and they wanted to do something more contemporary so Dave said to me would you kind of head up a sort of new songs group um and at the time I was involved with Spring Harvest and I met Matt Osgood there Mm -hmm. um and led one of my songs in, in a youth venue and he said oh have you written any other songs and how are you sharing them and he um you know had some songs and wanted to get involved so I said, well, would you be part of this songwriting group? Uh, and then he said, well, you should meet my friend Joel Payne. Oh. Uh, and so we pulled together our first songwriting day at Dave Peacock's house it, yeah. and a bunch of people. And we, we kind of said, you know, we're all writing for our local church. We want to share these songs. We want them to be songs of substance. None of us are particularly bothered about making millions out of it, but we just kind of want to raise the game here and... Um, and yeah, it just kind of went from there. And I don't, I'm not sure that Jubilate entirely expected us to kind of start our own website and kind of go off as a, yeah. you know, <laughs> a precocious toddler, really. Um, but but we did. And um, yeah, I think that's, you
0: know, that's how that's, and that's been what nine, ten years now. It's About ten, yeah, it is ten years. Yeah, yeah. it was end of 2006, I think we first met. Did you have any really? sense at that time of what, uh, uh, of how we would do it how, how we, whether we would develop this kind of a resound approach to songwriting or was it just I kind think, of get together and see what happens
1: I think from the beginning the idea of um, group critique was there right from the beginning and I think that was inspired by Jubilate because they'd done that for years a sense of songs going to a group and a group kind of picking over them and, and a lot of revision and also we both went to a thing that Graham Kendrick led around that time where he was really emphasising, you know, why do we do this stuff so separately? Why don't we gr- write in groups? Why don't we critique each other's material? So I think that was really in our DNA. Um, but I, I mean, I remember in the early days, we were like, oh, we've got 10 subscribers. <gasps> yeah. We've got, you've
0: got 50, we've got 100,
1: 200 subscribers. And, you know, it was yeah. so exciting for us to, to see, you know, and, and now there are thousands of subscribers, but it, it um. I didn't imagine that it would keep going for so long. I didn't imagine that you know some of the quality of songs that we have, um, particularly if you look at something like the Christmas album. You know, just some absolutely brilliant Christmas songs that do genuinely get. You know, someone said to me a couple of days ago, "Oh, you know, we use that one every year at our church. That Christmas song. It's so you know, it's so it's our Christmas anthem." They said,
0: "Yeah." No, I want to know which one. (laughs)
1: I think it was in the beginning. Oh, I think it was yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> you knew that. That's why you pushed me to no, say No, I didn't.
0: No, <laughs> I just wondered. And then you you made a sort of um, well, you've kind of combined being a worship pastor with being with teaching theology or teaching in a theological college, and so did that. I, I wanted did your songwriting develop through that process because you're constantly. Um, zooming in on the the details the theology the thinking and philosophy of worship
1: yeah absolutely I I, I mean David Peacock asked me um, to teach on the um, LST course I did that for five years um, and now I'm still there doing it um, as a guest lecturer but I think that process and I did a, a master's in in worship and every time that I study something I go oh we really ought to you know so whether it's you know studying lament or um, liturgy or a kind of, I'm not very good at just being in the academic mode. I'm kind of always trying to apply it to okay, but how could you actually do that in a normal church? How could you actually make that happen? And one of the major things is saying, well, unless we have quality songs that do that, this is all going to remain in books. It's all going to remain in the academy. Um, so I'm always trying to make it practical. Uh, probably sometimes too quickly but it's it's always feeding into my songwriting and how I'm how I'm leading on Sunday
0: mm. and tell us about Engage so we always present this songwriting um, podcast with I'm Joel Payne from Zan Worship and I'm Sam Hargreaves from Engage Worship I imagine lots of people do know about Engage but we're going to talk in, in more depth about stuff you've been working on with them and maybe you just fill us in a bit just what is Engage how did it come about what's it for
1: yeah it's a similar story actually and it's about the same time span about 10 years ago I had been working full time for a church, and Sarah and I felt that. Sarah is my wife. um, We felt that we wanted to start sharing what we were doing a bit wider, training churches and sharing, particularly the kind of creative resources. Because, you know, we were doing Resound about songwriting, but we were doing also a lot of things like prayer stations, PowerPoints, um, you know, written prayers, visuals. Those kind of I guess at one stage it was called alternative worship, but we were mm. never really in that in that mold. Uh, we just felt that church should be a bit more creative, should use more of the senses more of the art forms, and there wasn't really anyone sharing that online um particularly and you know people were creating stuff all the time. we thought, oh it's crazy not to put it out there mm. so um it's, it's kind of similar to Jubilate really, but there's a group called the Music and Worship Foundation. Uh, and again, they've been going for like 35 years and they, they said, you know, we want to have a, a younger end of what we're doing. Um, so they employed us initially for a day a week each to do this stuff and do training and have a website. Um, and then that's grown. I'm now full time for Engage and we are everything that uh, Music and Worship Foundation does. We still have those as our trustees. Uh, but our worship, um, our website's got, you know nearly 30,000 subscribers, and we've got a couple of books now. And um, yeah, it's it's but I think we're we still feel like we're trying to resource the small church, mm. um, possibly a little bit like Resound, really, as well. In that we know that there are people doing the big thing really well. You know, you can go to big conferences and see professional bands, you know, or you can pay a lot of money for a, a really expensive video. And we, I think, we feel that most often we are we are supporting the small local church people you know who want to be creative they want to be outward looking and yet they just don't necessarily have the time or the resources and i, I hope that our our resources are kind of uh, are helping them really.
0: Mm. i I just will come on to the book in a moment just a one thing I'd like to ask it's like a, a slice slice or curveball in a um mm. different direction is your so your life has been from going to university and studying um Studying worship theology and so on, working as a worship pastor, writing songs, running websites for worship, and there's a sense in which worship is your job. Mm. And I wouldn't—I would just love to hear a bit about how that, how Sam, the <laughs> Sam, the child of God, Sam, the Jesus mm. follower, yeah, worship. it You know, has that? Does it impinge? Does it sometimes diminish your worship, or does it enhance it? Do you, do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a really good question. And it's a a thing that people stumble over, I think, because I think before you do it as a job, um, Sundays or home groups or, or whatever becomes your main way of getting kind of fed and getting input. My experience is that actually, generally for me, those places, although I love it, and I might get excited by it or encouraged, I can't rely on that as my place for connecting with God more personally or, Mm. or being fed and you have to become a kind of self feeder. I think when you're in ministry. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know, and I, I definitely, am not an expert at this or feel that I've, you know, not that I have yet achieved all this and yet I press on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, so one of the things that I try to do is take Sunday evenings and spend a kind of hour, also having a kind of quiet time on my own and i use a variety of things i've been experimenting with um centering prayer recently just kind of being quiet before god um things like sort of bible meditation um journaling my my prayer um you know reading um devotional books and things like that and I, i just for me i find that um I get dry really quickly. Mm. Um I, someone once said to me in a in a prophetic word kind of thing, um, Sam, I think you're like a an ornamental cabbage. <laughs> Have I told you this before? <laughs> and i was like you know we know one of those prophetic words and you're like yeah thanks, thanks yeah that's that.
0: what it's like how do you know that's what i wanted to hear
1: yeah and then i was don't i don't think i even knew what an ornamental well, cabbage was but they it? actually it like a week later they fat, saw one in a shop and they bought it for me and they said look sam i saw this ornamental cabbage <laughs> and I, I thought of you and i was like oh great and it's an ugly thing really it's like a cabbage in a pot <laughs> and as i do with all with all um with all plants i just put it on my desk and i i you know let it die basically and a couple of weeks later, we came into the office and um, I was like, oh, it smells of death in here. And, like, what's going on? We were in a church building and I thought maybe, you know, a rat had died in the walls or something. And um, it turns out that this cabbage, because I hadn't watered it, it was dying, but it was dying from the inside out. Oh, so gosh. it looked all right from the outside, but on the inside, it was putrefying. It was it was starting to smell. And um, I did, I, I went, oh, I am like an ornamental cabbage. Because actually, on the outside, you can keep the the balls, you know, in the air. You can keep leading worship. You can keep saying things that sound spiritual, but actually, on the inside, you can be you can be dying because of lack of of water yeah. and input. And so, I I would really, you know, if anyone is in, you know, even it doesn't even have to be full time ministry. It can be just you know, volunteering in your church. But don't don't see that. As the place to go and get water, necessarily. If it happens, great. You know, it's mm. a bonus. Um, and you should, you know, I'm not saying don't worship when yeah, you. Yeah. It's a different kind of worship. It's a kind of it's it's you know getting onto our theme of the book. It's almost kind of worship as work. I feel when I'm, you know, faffing around with the PA system and getting songs together and organizing a band or you know preparing to speak. It's it's kind of worship as work. I think mm. the kind of worship where you get input. I think you have to start to to look for that um in other ways.
0: Mm. That's really interesting actually. I uh, you've, you've kind of highlighted that even in asking the question I've 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 started to create that dichotomy um mm. between worship and work. And actually mm. that brings us so brilliantly up to up to <laughs> sort of the main thing you want to talk about which is your new book which you've written together with Sarah and yeah. um it's called Whole Life Worship and done in partnership with LICC published by IVP and you had a book launch uh, 2 days ago didn't you yeah, yes no yesterday yeah. two nights ago two days two days ago yeah two days it firstly so I'm really sorry I wasn't there I should have I was it was all this organisation it's okay rather than the lack of love or will but i did see some jeremy as always put a bit of live video up and i saw some stuff just but just just tell us what happens at a book launch. how do you how do you do a book launch? what happens
1: <laughs> well london institute of contemporary christianity do these things really well so they planned a day for kind of church leaders we had a whole afternoon of sharing the resources and the, the ethos of it and then they had this kind of little tiny reception thing with the publisher and our trustees and they you know fed us canapes and drinks and stuff and then in the evening we had this big celebration where we brought together um our regular band and a couple of guests we had my friends uh, amy jane and cat playing harp and cello so that cool. you know that's another uh, that's a life hack actually if if you ever want to make worship sound good just bring in a harp and a cello <laughs> a, <yeah>.
2: um,
1: <laughs> basically can't go wrong we've all um, got we've all got a harp and a cello kicking around in the cupboard yeah just yeah. make more use of them um and uh, yeah, we just we kind of praised God really and, and celebrated all He's done. It's been you know it was three years ago that we first started talking about this book. It's been pretty much two years in the writing and the creating of it. And and to go alongside it, there's this thing called a journey pack, which is basically like a church resource, and it's full of um, service plans, sermon ideas, songs, usable videos, powerpoints small group discussion so mm. it's been a long process and i think that there was a sense on tuesday of just celebration and saying praise god you know people have supported it financially people have prayed for it um worked hard on it so yeah it was just a bit of a an ease up really yeah, i've
0: had a little um thing a little flag that comes up in my diary once a month to pray for the whole life worship project oh um, thanks man uh and just so the the basic kind of the pre- in a sense the premise of it is that they're there is or has been a disconnect between Sunday worship and everyday worship Mm. and that rather than being part of a sort of continuum that that belong together they've sort of somehow been disconnected just just tell us a bit more about kind of that general premise and and how you approach it yeah yeah I think I mean there's this phrase and of course worship is
1: more than singing songs it's about our whole lives and pretty much everyone says that and agrees with that It's it's kind of become almost a cliche, but the reality of Sunday morning often kind of betrays that, I think. So just simple things like someone will say, you know, um, welcome to worship, or now we're going to worship, or here's our worship time, or we can give the impression that, you know, the end of the service, right, worship's over now, see you later next week when we do more worship. And we're kind of betraying this sense that, um, you know, Paul says, you know, offer, your whole selves, mm. um, as as an as your true and proper worship, and and I think um, that to me, reading you know re- rereading the New Testament, reading around this stuff, it's so clear in the New Testament that they were saying you know yes, do the the sacrifice of praise, do the do the words, do the prayers, but also in everything you do, you know, there's that bit, just, you know, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And Paul immediately, the next verse says, and whatever you do in word or deed, mm. do it all in the name of Christ Jesus, You know, giving thanks to God our Father. So he's he's, he's can't emphasise enough, this is supposed to be about all of our lives. And yet I think the reality is that Sunday mornings can become a bit of a bubble.
0: Mm. We think of them as a sort of, you can think of them as an oasis, can't you? People kind of think, oh good, I can forget about my life for a bit and yeah. I can go in and I can just kind of, I can get watered. Um, Yeah, and then, but then I'll leave that behind and I'll go back to, to the, to the everyday. So how did you, how did you approach addressing that? So we talk about a couple of things. One of the things we talk about is thinking about worship as
1: 3d. Um, Mm. and so you've got the vertical dimension, me and God, the horizontal dimension, which is me and my brothers and sisters in the church. And I think we've, that's an angle we've started to open up. People say, you know, we ought to have more we songs, not so many I songs. And we're starting to get into that, but we think there's a third dimension, uh, and that is essentially how our worship in Sunday relates to the rest of our lives, and I think that's the bit that currently our models don't really help us with. Um, one of the things we talk about is the sense of a journey in a service, and if you look particularly at something like John Wimber's kind of vineyard model of worship, yeah, you know, it's that sense of I do praise, I do exaltation, and then the music gets quieter and more intimate, and the the kind of the What people have have got out of that is that the journey of our worship ought to lead us to intimacy. Mm. And by that, we understand it to mean, you know, close your eyes, shut out the world, don't be distracted uh, and have a moment with God. Now, I think that's perfectly valid. And, you know, I've led worship like that. And I think it's important and we need those times. But in terms of the journey, is that the only place we're supposed to go to? Mm. Can't we go from praise, adoration, exhortation, you know, maybe even intimacy, but then into, for example, intercession for the world? You know, could our worship time end with, and God, you know, we felt your presence, you love us. Now, you know, we pray for our town. We pray for where we're going on, on Monday morning. We pray for this situation in the news. And it's that sense, sometimes, particularly in the charismatic context of... Let's not distract people yeah. with the world. You know, leave your problems at the door, come in and focus on God. Well, actually, if we focus on God, isn't the logical end of that that we see his heart for the world, that we see that he cares about my Monday morning, he cares about my family and my job and the things I've I've got worried about on the news. Um, and it can be a bit uncomfortable to lead worship that way because you can. Oh, am I distracting people? Am I? saying something that's taking their eyes off god but let's not take our eyes off god but let's maybe take our eyes off ourselves and and realize that there is this kind of world out there
2: yeah
0: is there stuff to do with the language that we use in church which which impacts this
1: i'm sure yeah definitely um i mean one of the things if we think about songwriting particularly is that we have a kind of christianese so uh nick nick page wrote that brilliant book we've probably mentioned before on the podcast um now let's enter into a time of nonsense yeah and he talks about how he reviewed all the songs uh, you know that, that were being sung and we don't talk about anything contemporary so we'll say things like silver and gold and that's christianese for money but we've sort of somehow christianized that um and actually he talks massively about money and that's that's a huge part of our discipleship but we kind of we have a Christian language for it. or, you know, and there's nothing wrong with biblical language. Biblical language is important, but if we only say the Lord's my shepherd, you know, people living as, as I do in Luton don't have a very daily yeah, yeah. appreciation of what a shepherd is. Um, so yeah, definitely language is a thing. And um, one of the things we've been trying to identify in terms of songs, and I would encourage people to start writing songs is to think about whether we can bring in it's and it's difficult because sometimes it feels clunky sometimes it feels too childish you know we're happy to sing in great big god he's higher than skyscraper and deeper than a submarine but it immediately puts it in the children's song category because we've used those words um but i do have some examples of of songs that i think do it really well yeah so 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 uh, what
0: would be good examples
1: well stuart townend um was challenged by mark green um of the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity to, to kind of address some of this. And he wrote the song Christ be in my waking, which, which really names some very specific things about life. So Christ be in my thinking and my understanding, um, you know, he actually unpacks the, some of the stuff of everyday life. Um, and then Geraldine Latte's uh, song that's on resound Lord, you hear the cry. And she talks about the widow weeping, the child ill treated, the addict craving, the grieve, greed of nations. And those the are bringing The depressed
0: ones sinking. The depressed ones sinking. When lyric, do you yeah.
1: ever sing about that in church? It's like being depressed, yeah. Yeah, and the problem is if we don't sing about it, we give, over time, like not just one service, not just one song, but over time, we're basically giving people the impression God's not really interested in that stuff. Yeah. You know, he's... he's
0: oh, well, I was just going to say, it seems to me there's a kind of there's an issue in terms of skill with language Mm. and that it's possible to write quite a generic worship song without really having a poetic skill. Yeah. But it's very difficult to write a worship song that contains some of those more unusual elements without having some poetic skill, because it takes that skill to be able to package them in a way which, which has poetry and doesn't just kind of stand out with angular edges that don't fit together.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, it's a classic example. There's a, a, a song a hymn written called god of concrete do you know that song
0: I've, i have heard of it
1: it's kind of god of concrete iron and steel and it's very very rooted in in, in urban reality and people violently dislike that song <laughs> um, because they feel it's just too jarring and personally i i quite i don't dislike it actually i think it's doing a good job of trying to relate god to to this reality and you know the the analogy is used that you know the genesis talks about god creating a garden but revelation god talks about god having a city and so yeah. there seems to be that that sense of god being involved in human development and so i i think that god can be found in the concrete and in the in the steel and i don't have a problem with that but i think possibly that song was too stark uh certainly for some people and it does take quite some nuance to be able to to write a song that doesn't make you go oh that's just jarring it's just um yeah
0: and it makes a difference if somebody like Stuart Townend or Matt Remman or Darlene Check or these other people whose songs we sing a lot, if they do it, we sort of, we sort of trust them to have a yeah. go at it. And so we'll yeah. say, oh, right, if you think that's what we should sing, well, we'll do it. Mm. It's more difficult if you, if you haven't kind of cut your teeth and, and, and because you are asking people to sing something that feels awkward or asking something people to sing something that actually challenges their whole model and concept of worship not just yes. that moment of singing the song
1: yes i mean we we both heard didn't we um oh who's the guy speaking at the songwriters consultation uh the american guy um glenn Packiam. Uh,
0: glenn pa- yeah glenn packham yeah
1: Glenn, i think it's is glenn packham from yes, what just that. said <laughs> and he talked about um this sense in worship songs that were popular of the perfect present so we sing about now i am feeling you now i am feeling great now i am feeling uh, you know it's all all is okay because i've come into your presence lord kind of thing um and for some reason certainly within the charismatic church that is allowed but we never really sing of what's going to happen tomorrow we we've we've made sung worship the pinnacle of our kind of Christian experience when actually God is a ascending God. He's the one who's sending us out. He's the one who meet you know, he's incarnate in Christ coming into our situation. Um and I you know, I believe that he he wants us to be worshiping him and doing mission in our everyday lives. But we at the moment that isn't so comfortable to sing like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we just somehow somehow we just need to break down um people sense uh, we did a thing this is a slightly different example but um i was doing a celebration a couple of weeks ago for um the local area and um the whole theme of the conference was uh, engaging with society so we had this worship time and then towards the end i did that thing of going towards intercession and i actually put up images of luton on the screen very ordinary things the football stadium the um the voxel plant the airport, police, schools, healthcare, and I said, "Let's ask God to give us His heart for these, and let's let's pray into these situations and pray His kingdom come, His will be done." And to begin with, I thought, "Oh, I've ruined it. I've ruined the moment. You know, I've I've lost people. I've," and I started to yeah. think, "Oh, this is, was this a bad idea?" And then I thought, "No, come on. This is the whole point of you know my book, and this is the whole point of this conference, and let's push through." And there was just one point when I put up an image of um, the casino in Luton. Yeah. And I went, God, please give us your heart for the nightlife, for the brothels, for the pubs. And suddenly there was a sort of shift in the room of like, oh, yeah, actually God cares about those places. Yeah. But for me, it really took a kind of getting over a hurdle of nerves and have I blown this and have I ruined the moment? And I, I kind of feel in terms of song lyrics that we need to do the same thing of being a bit brave and saying there will be things that, you know, it's not to say write it badly, but there will be there will be lyrics and songs. You know, I, I reckon people may look at Geraldine's song, you know, the addict craving and go, Oh, really? Are we gonna sing about that? And I think we've got to get over that hurdle.
0: Yeah. I mean you, you you and I have been talking on recent podcasts, I've been trying to write a song about that, that's drawn from the idea of God as a refugee. Yeah. And the rest the, just how I'm wrestling with it, to try and find the way of packaging it that sings well. Um, that sounds right but that stimulates and challenges that yeah all these things it's very it's very difficult it's very difficult Mm. you um one chapter six of the book is the kind of the main place where you focus in on on sung worship and songs and so on and you particularly talk about dualism in there and i think that's quite an interesting concept that might be worth just unpacking
1: yeah so the idea of dualism i mean not to try and get too technical but it goes back to plato and this idea that spiritual stuff is good physical stuff is bad And basically, that is not Christian at all. You know, in the Christian story, God created the heavens and the earth. It's all good. And then it falls. And the fact that it falls is not because it's physical, it's because we sin, because we choose our own way. But that idea has got into Christianity. And we have a sense, I think, in our modern worship of wanting to go off to heaven or to have a spiritual experience and to try and deny the ordinary and the everyday and the physical. And to me, that's not biblical. And And we talk quite a lot about, uh, we analysed the top 50 songs, um, 25 in America, 25 in, in UK from CCL, and tried to see how they related to essentially the big story of God. So God creates the heaven and the earth. God comes incarnate in Jesus. Jesus dies a physical death and is physically resurrected. And then God is coming at the end of time to to renew you know revelation says that um you know god renews the heaven and the earth the the reign of god comes to earth and so the big story of god is very embodied it's not dualistic it's not you know spirit good physical bad it's it's integrated Mm. Um, but i think a lot of our worship songs gradually over time give us this impression that oh, well, don't worry, because one day we'll be whisked off to be in the spiritual realm. Mm. And actually, I think what we ought to be singing about is God made a good heaven and a good earth. God came as Christ as a human being. God wants to renew heaven and earth. Uh, And that's, to me, that's a much more compelling thing to sing about, because actually it makes sense of when I go to work on a Monday morning, it makes sense of you know how I read the news. It makes sense of how I engage with my community. Um, it doesn't just it doesn't just elevate Sundays and sung worship times as the most important thing.
0: It's interesting that um, the songs songs about the struggle have become so popular. Recently. You can't you can't move for all the songs talking about through the storm, Lord in the struggle. Yeah. And it's interesting that whilst on one hand that's been really helpful in helping us to engage with something of the reality of life in church it, it, in another sense they sort of perpetuate that don't they because they so often are about oh life is hard full of bad things but you're going to rescue me from it yeah and and it's a, i suppose it's a shame it's sad it's sad that we've managed to get hold of something like that but perhaps taking it taking it so far that that there isn't light in it about the world. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it's and you know, it comes down to what is salvation about? What is the cross and the resurrection and God's... Be- is, it, is it just about me becoming um, happy and a more whole person? And, of course, that is part of it. But if we stop there, then Christianity Christianity's just basically turned into self-help. Hmm. And I think that's what, unfortunately that's the way, way a lot of church services are going is come to us and you'll start to feel better about yourself and you'll have some self-esteem again. Um, cause God really loves you and he's going to you know, hold your hand through the storm. And, and I don't want to belittle people's, you know, personal problems cause they can be huge and they can, mm. you know, it's really important, but it, it worries me that we stop there. So take the example of, um, for example, the resurrection, you know, in Ephesians, um, Paul very clearly talks about, you know, that the cross and the resurrection have saved you from your sin, but they've also um, reconciled Jew and Gentile. They've reconciled warring people groups. Mm. So, It deals with my personal problems. It also deals with these more societal things and these relational things, these wider things. And then Paul goes on to say, and actually God's plan in the beginning was to bring all things in heaven and earth under Christ. So there's this kind of cosmic, you know, creation angle to the cross and the resurrection as well, which is, um, you know, which goes beyond. So, yes, let's sing about Thank you for dying for me and dealing with my sin, and now I am saved and I am whole. Let's let's keep singing about that, but let's also sing about, and God, thank you that you reconcile me with my brothers and sisters. Thank you that you you bring together people, and then let's also sing about. Thirdly, thank you that you're renewing creation. Thank you that you know Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. That is going to happen to everything, um, and that we can play a part in that. And so that I mean that's. Um, my, I had a go at trying to do this in my song, uh, Christ Was Raised, which we, we put out last year on on Resound. And um, I hope people will at least check it out. And you know, maybe Easter's coming. Maybe it's one for, for Easter. But it's trying to do that thing, which I just couldn't find really in um, in almost any other song was that sense of Christ died and was raised. Yes, for me, but also for all things.
0: Hmm I'm beginning to see this this thing that um, you could imagine that what you're going to argue through the book is be less spiritual and be more earthy, uh, but actually what you're arguing is that there isn't there isn't don't split them up that they yeah. they belong together and actually it's not be less God and more world it's actually understand God and yeah. the, the the just the incredible far-reaching consequences all that He is and all that He has done is for not just this moment on Sunday, but the whole of your life and the whole of creation
2: and understanding,
0: expressing that allows you to join some of those dots together and, and start to, to integrate these things in your worship.
1: Yeah. And because in the book we, we keep saying, you know, we don't want you to change your default style. We don't want to change you to change who you are. And that applies to the very traditional liturgical, you know, Anglican parish church or whatever. We want them to be authentically who they are but to think, okay, within this thing that we do, how can we look outward? Mm. Uh, but I would say that to charismatics as well. I would say, you know, own the fact that you have this amazing tradition of intimacy with God and, you know, coming to God and meeting with him, awe and wonder. Don't lose that at all. But in the midst of that, start being intentional about seeking his heart for the wide, the bigger picture. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally think you're right. And we need to get away from... There used to be this thing that you know liberals were concerned about justice and the world evangelicals were concerned about individual salvation and i i think that that's one of those dichotomies that we must kind of break down and smash Mm. and say the bible never does that the bible is concerned about the whole picture
0: Mm. let's talk about how you're you've got some events coming up um uh, which you're hoping to use to kind of to take this out to people and mm. and work through some of these things and think about how the they, they it affects their church and so on. Just tell us about what you've got coming up. Yep.
1: So there's Saturdays. Uh, we currently got one in Luton on the 6th of May and then one in Bath on the 18th of June. And then there's uh, one in Ballam. We're planning one in Manchester. We haven't quite got a date for that yet. And we're also, uh, we've got one in High Wycombe and a few people have said, Oh, it's very South. And we are trying to find other <laughs> venues further afield. Um, But the idea of the days is to really unpack some of these themes. Uh, It's aimed at pastors, worship leaders, worship teams, uh, creative types, service leaders, really anyone who wants to see Sunday morning worship reconnected with the congregation's everyday lives. And the reason to, you know, we've got the book, we've got the journey pack. um, But the reason to do the days is because people often say to us, it's good to read it. It's good to have the resources. But when we see you lead it, suddenly it makes sense. Yeah. You know, when the the way that I, I guess we've just had a bit of experience now in trying to get these things to flow and to feel natural. So it doesn't feel like, oh, so we did this, you know, hymn and a song or whatever. And then there was this odd bit <laughs> where we looked out to the world. We we try and make these things flow in, in whatever context we're in. So I think that's the benefit is to, is to bring your team to get an experience of this is how it can work. Um, And then, you know, to take it back and to take back the resources so that people can go on this journey. And I do feel that, um, you know, something that LICC is big on and I think we're big on as well is let's not make this a fad. Let's not do six months of, oh, now we're going to have all these songs about everyday life and, you know, uh, uh, and all these Mm. prayers and videos and and then actually you know then it'll be the next thing let's have a culture shift instead where actually over a good you know period of time there's an evolution within your worship life Where actually as a part of your regular diet you're looking out you're engaging with everyday life you're sending people out to worship through their week and i think that coming along to these days will will help people with that
0: fantastic um now uh, you've got some you've got some copies to give away haven't you
2: Woo-hoo. Yeah,
1: competition time! Bam, bam. bam. So we got um, five copies that uh, we can give away. So if people want to get the book uh, for free, what we want wanting to do is think about one way that in church worship you have connected with people's um, uh, weekly lives. It could be through a song, it could be through a prayer, an activity. Joel, do you want to give the activity you were mentioning? Oh uh, yeah, it's
0: just in our church at the moment. We'd be every service. Um, somebody from the congregation comes up, and we just interview them about what they do during the week, um, how they, how how they see God working in it what, it, what what being a Christian in that context means for them. Uh, it's been really interesting. We've found out about all sorts of bad people in mm. terms of what they do. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's encouraging. So something like that,
1: or a song, or a prayer, or a, like whatever it is, um, note it down. Now you can do that on Twitter, uh, and you can include at resound worship and hashtag whole life worship
0: yeah you've got to do that or we we won't know will we
1: we won't spot it yeah no, we're not <laughs> going to read every tweet <laughs> and you can again put at resound worship and hashtag whole life worship and put it on facebook or if you're not into any of those social media god bless you um instead you can just uh you can just email us at uh what is it Info at res- at- oh sorry podcast at yeah, That's podcast at resoundworship.org. Yeah. Uh, and email us with your idea, and we may then share that ourselves on social media, but uh, tell us your idea, what you've been doing, and we will pick five of those and get in touch and send you the book for free.
0: Brilliant. Good stuff. Sam... And can I oh yeah, just say,
1: yeah. if people are interested in the Saturdays, yeah. or they want to know about the book, or the journey pack, or get any more information, it's engageworship.org slash... Whole life, slash whole life worship that's engagedworshiporg org slash whole life worship nice obviously one. all one word it's
0: been really fun to interview you sam you know we've got <laughs> one more question coming don't you
1: Oh no. And this is
0: the you should be prepared for this. This is the question we ask all of our interviewees. And mm. uh, and it is because we have been granted the rights um to rewrite the history books and uh recredit some of the classic songs. And um Sam the question for you is um what one song written by somebody else do you wish that you'd written? because uh, we're going to give you it. Okay. Uh I think I would have to say probably
1: Payne. the song i something mentioned by joel earlier Payne. something by yeah. joel Payne. <laughs> it's not by joel Payne. it's by geraldine latty or geraldine loose as her new married name is um who we should say has got a new album out She it has yesterday. that's true can you hear it and i think you can it's called can you hear it not i'm not asking you if you can hear it i can't hear it
0: <laughs> <laughs> <I> can...
1: <laughs> no, the album is called can you hear it um so I've, i guess you can just look at our resound stuff and you'll see you'll see stuff about that if you're interested but she wrote this song Lord you hear the cry and she spoke about it at our launch um she talked about how when she wrote it she was thinking specifically about friends so you hear the cry of the of the widow weeping she was thinking about a, f- a friend who was bereaved Lord you hear the cry of the depressed ones she had a picture of a friend in her mind um mm-hmm. and then the chorus you know break the heavens Lord you said the poor are not forgotten it's it's a song of intercession. It's saying, God, have mercy in these situations. It's a song that is not depressing. It's, it talks about hard things, but it's really hopeful. It's, Lord, you hear. Lord, you see. And then it ta- in the last verse, um, it talks about, um, Lord, we see the signs of your kingdom coming, resurrection day for creation groaning. I mean, to me, that is wonderful theology summed up in like two lines. You know, we know there is a hope. We know there is a resurrection for creation. It just does everything that I want to do. And we use it all the time. It's super singable. It's catchy. It's engaging. And um, yeah, I totally wish I'd written that song.
0: That's fantastic. Well, you can have it. It's yours now. Uh, The only thing we don't control is CCLI and (laughs) and, uh, the royalty revenue streams. But other than that, um, yeah, we've rewritten the history books. Sam, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I I, I don't know if I can say thank you for coming on the show because you always come on the show. But thank you for talking about your life, what you're involved in and sharing some of that with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So thanks to Sam. And we're going to finish with a featured song, as we always do. And since Sam has given it such a a big promo, we can't even remember if we featured this one before or not, but we're going to do it again if we have. And that is going to be Geraldine's song, Lord, You Hear the Cry. Uh, Until next time, bye-bye.
2: Lord, you hear the cry Of the widow weeping Lord, you hear the cry Of the child ill treated, Lord, you hear the cry of the depressed one sinking. Lord, have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us, Lord, you hear.